So I know while this COVID thing has been going on, God's been doing a work in the church, in each one of us. He's been doing a work in here, in, in me. He's bringing change. He's changing our character. He's making us more into his image. And for me, he's, he's put things in my heart to do with love. And I want to try to share my heart in this this morning. Um, he gives me stories. He gives me testimonies. And sometimes I think, well, I tell too many stories. But you know what? I think people need to hear stories. They need to hear examples of what love looks like, of how God works. And if we want to reach people in this world, we need to be willing to tell them stories of our experiences in order to reach them. So I want to start, first of all, with 2 Corinthians 5, 7 to 10. And I think somebody's, Pastor Bob already read this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God has a lot of facets to his character, but if you put them all together, he is love. That's all part of love. And the work he's doing in us is causing us to be like him. So we should be love. That should be predominant in us. We should love because it's who we are. And that's the work he's doing. Ephesians three fourteen to 19 says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on, on, on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The scriptures tell us so much about God's love. If we look through the Bible as a whole, it's a story of how God loved the Jewish people, of how he loves us. The whole thing put together is a story of his love. And I'm thinking of the prodigal son. When the son, the younger son, asked the father for his inheritance, the father didn't argue. He just gave the two sons the inheritance and he let him go. Even though he knew he might never see him again, he was willing to let him go. And I'm thinking of us with our children. There are times when we have to let them go and we're, we're afraid. We don't want to because we're afraid of what might happen to them. But the father let him go. And eventually when the son came to the end of himself and realized that, that the way he was going was not working, 
and he got into all sorts of trouble, he decided to come home. And what did the father do? He, he ran up. When he saw him coming, he ran to meet him. He ran to meet him. He put a ring on his finger. He gave him his robe, and he brought him back and celebrated because of his love for him. He didn't reprimand him. He didn't tell him and, oh, all the things he'd done wrong and, and say, I, I told you so, you should have known better. None of that. None of that. He just loved him and he welcomed him home. And that's a lesson for us because we see a lot of people who are in circumstances and the temptation is to think, well, they brought it on themselves. But God looks for those that are lost and he welcomes them home. He doesn't, he doesn't tell them all the negative things they've done. He just says, welcome home and loves us. Years ago, as an, a, a reasonably mature Christian, I knew about God's love because of the stories in the Bible. But in my logical mind, I knew that God loved me and I knew that he loved us. But it was just um, my mind reasoning. But I didn't, I had not experienced God's love. And I cried out to God because I thought, how can I live life? Because in my family growing up, we didn't get hugs. Nobody, you know, it just wasn't the British way. Not in my family. You, you had a stiff upper lip, you know, you, you did the right thing. But really, there was no show of affection. And so for me, um, experience in love was something that I was, I was desperate for. And I cried out to God. And in a particularly bad week, I was feeling isolated, um, anxious, alone. And my church had an evangelist come. And he was speaking to us. Uh, I can't even remember the subject, but at the end he invited people forward. And I went forward, and when he laid hands on me, he said, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And that he cares stuck with me. And I thought, he cares for me. All of a sudden, it's like it was real. And they were selling some things at the front desk, and I bought a little recording of a young Russian boy, six years old, singing a song in Russian, Come to Jesus. And I went home, and I put the um, recording on and listened, and instantly I was enveloped in, in, in God's love. And it was so real, and it lasted. And it's like I could see the heavens and I could see the Father's love just pouring down like it, it filled everything. And I'll tell you, it was like going from seeing black and white to seeing color. It was such a difference. And I really believe that many Christians know God's love, but they haven't experienced it and they haven't felt it. And when you feel his love, it's totally different from knowing about it. It changes your life. It changes your heart. When we know God's love for us, we will be willing to do whatever he wants us to do. John, um, I think it's John 14, where, where it talks about if, if you're obedient, 
you will stay in his love. But for me, it's if, if we love him, if we know he loves us and we love him, we will be obedient because we will want to be obedient because nothing will be able to stop us. That's what his love does for us. Ephesians 3 says that when we experience the love of Christ, then we will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And until then, we're not complete. We have that empty hole where we will go looking for other things to fill it if we haven't felt and experienced God's love. There have been so many times when God has demonstrated his love for me in big and small ways. And I think this is true for most people. And one I, I think of years ago, and when I'm sharing these, I feel there's people that need to hear because they need God to speak to them in this way. And many, many years ago, I, I, was, I would wake up in the morning with fear and I would live with fear. And I, I got a prescription from the doctor for meds to take. And as time gone, went on, I whittled them down to one when I woke up in the morning. And as long as I could get rid of the fear in the morning, I was fine. And I ran out of tablets. And I thought, you know, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have to do this. I felt guilty. And I, and I went to God and I said, God, I don't want to take these, but... but I don't know. I, I feel like if I, if I take them, I'm, I'm not doing the right thing. And instantly I heard his voice and he said, I'll love you if you take them or if you don't take them. I'll still love you. And it's like knowing that set me free. I was free and I said, okay, God, I just felt his love for me. And I thought, if he can love me, whether I take them or not, then I'm going to love him and I'm not going to take them. I never had any more anxiety. I just stopped and that was it. And I needed to hear that. And I really believe that somebody needs to hear that. That if we're taking meds, there are many people that think as a Christian, we shouldn't be doing that. But if you need them, you take them. Because God's not going to stop loving you. He can still heal you. He can still set you free. But he's not going to stop loving you. And if you need to do that as you wait for that freedom, then, then you go ahead and do it. I know people with depression, it's a struggle for many of them to go on meds because they feel guilty as a Christian that this is not what we should be doing. And, you know, you do what you have to do. God is there whatever you do. Romans 8, verse 28 to 37. I, we've already heard part of that. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For we know God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. 
For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We love God and we were chosen for his purpose to become like his son. And in the process of being like Jesus, we will go through stages of training and trials. Sometimes we'll go through failures and make a mess of things. But through the process, we will learn and be changed to be like Jesus. And as we follow him, we are protected and nothing can separate us from his love, even if we mess up. The most important thing in our relationship with God is to know his love in every area of our lives, in every area. I have to tell you, in, in a couple of weeks ago, God, God told me something that really surprised me. And I want to read some of it um, what he said was that he is able to love his kids into obedience and that really struck home because I, I was going to read about the discipline, Lillian already read it, God disciplines us as sons because he loves us but he loves us into obedience he, he loves us because he loves us He's able to work through it and bring things into our lives will cause us to recognize what he's doing and to, to be obedient because, because we love him. And that's how he works, to discipline us. He loves us into it. And what he told me was, I can try and fix people. I can give them all sorts of teaching of what I know and sometimes that's relevant, but, but very often it's not. It's not what people need. What they need, there are people who, who have addictions, who are addicted to some kind of sin and don't know how to stop. And, and I've had people like that, and I've prayed, God, how do I pray for them? How do I, what do I tell them? And nothing's come. And then when I go to pray, it's like God's love falls on me. And I feel his incredible love for them. And I realize what they are lacking is knowing God's love. And when somebody knows God's love, they will be able to give up those things that, that have been addictive in their life. They will be able to stop 
because they know God loves them. Um, a few, a lot of years ago, this is another example. Many, many years ago, actually, it was probably 24 years ago, I was in the Sunshine Coast um, meeting my husband who had been on business. And I was depressed. I was feeling a little hopeless. Um, he, he really was had a death sentence because his heart was so bad it needed replacing, but they, they told him they wouldn't replace it unless he was 24-7 on oxygen, so he was working. And he had half an artery that worked, no, no other arteries. So basically he was alive because God kept him alive. And we were on the Sunshine Coast, and we were um, going to, for a walk where we could see angels. And we got out of the car, and the slight slope, he couldn't make it, so he told me to go on, on my own. And I must have walked two miles, and I thought, this is a long way, I should go back. And I thought, no, I can't, because he said, you go and see the eagles. So I continued, and I, I came to a cliff face. It must have been, it seemed like 100 feet high. It was probably, it was high. It was steps all the way up, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, no. I think I'll stop here. And then I thought, you can't stop. You have to go up to the top. So I made my way up to the top, and the top was like a little plateau. And in the middle was a picnic table. And to one side, a few feet away, there was older gentleman. And I started to chat to him, and I asked if he knew um, about the eagles up here. And he said, no, he wasn't from around here. Um, but his daughter was. Well, so he asked me where I was from, and I said, Waterdown. And he said, oh, I'm from Waterdown. And in fact, he just lived down the road from me on Highway 5, about 100 yards away. And he was there visiting his daughter. And we had this long conversation, and I could see his daughter across probably 20 feet away from me, listening. I could see that she was paying attention listening to every word, but she didn't say anything. And I turned around and said, I have to go. And I started walking back towards the steps. And she came over to me and took me in her arms and hugged me and hugged me and hugged me. And the scripture came to me that if you go to the ends of the world, he's there. And I knew that that was God giving me a hug. See, God, God gives us what we need. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. He gives us what we need at the time. And that, to me, was what, that's who God is. Whatever we need, he's there for us. He knows what we need. He knows when we need it. And he's going to give us what we need. And the times when, when we don't, you know, there's been times when I've had to wait. I've needed something. And I've thought, no, I'm going to trust God. And I've waited and waited. And it's like children when they're learning to walk. And the dad will hold a cookie out ahead so that they have to take a few more steps. And God's that like that with us. Sometimes he doesn't give us what we need right away because he wants our faith to grow. And so he'll wait. And this is where I was at that time. And, and when he gave me that hug, I needed it. I had prayed before I took the trip. I was anxious about going. 
and I had prayed all sorts of prayers and he'd given me scriptures and given me answers. And so it's like that whole trip, that was just one thing, but that whole trip, he, he showed me different things. And when I got back home and went to bed at night, um, he, it's like in my sleep, I could feel all the things he'd shown me coming together. And when I woke up in the morning, I heard the words Molly's Reach on the threshold. And we'd actually been to Molly's Reach while we were out there, but it was on the threshold. And I thought, okay, God's doing something. I was excited. I went downstairs to pray and, and, and I, I, I prayed and I said, God, um, what do you want to show me? What is this about? And I saw myself at the top of a mountain and he said, reach out up and take hold of the top. And I reached up, but I thought by faith I could reach the top. But in reality, I could see the top was beyond my reach. And I said, I can't, I can't reach the top. And he didn't say anything. I thought about it. And I thought, but I know Jesus, if he was alive, he could reach it. He could do the impossible. He could do it. Then all of a sudden it clicked. And I thought, he's living in me. If he can do it, I can do it. And just that knowledge that Christ living in me could do the impossible. My depression totally disappeared. I can't explain it. It's just I was exciting. I thought, I do not have to do this. He's in me to do it. He's the one that's going to make the way. He's the one that's going to do the work in my husband's life and bring salvation. He's the one. I do not have to do this. And it's like I was free. That's what God can do in our lives. And I, I want to share with anybody that's in those situations that God will bring you through. If you're listening to this, not everybody is here. Some people are listening by Zoom. But if you've got things in your life where you are desperate and you're depressed, he will bring you through. All you have to do is turn to him and ask for his help, and he'll do the work. Now, I want to finish this with um, reading a psalm. And Mary is going to come up and play quietly in the background. And I want us just to relax and lean back. And this is Psalm 139, because for me, this says everything. O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great to be understood. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. 
If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. That's the God who loves us. And for anybody who is doubting that God loves them, perhaps they haven't had good parents or... Perhaps there's been um, division between families. But God knew you before you were born. He brought you into this world. He brought life in you when you were conceived, and he brought you into this world. You have a purpose. You're here for a reason. It's not by accident. No matter what your past has been, you have a purpose today. You have a purpose for the rest of your life. And he will always be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll take care of you. He'll protect you, provide for you, deliver you, guide you. He will do everything that is necessary to take you through this life in victory, to fulfill your purpose to complete the plan that he started within you and bring you through to victory. And at that end of that time, he has a place for you in heaven, all prepared for you. But right now, you can bring heaven to earth just by being who you are, by sharing with others what he's done in your life. and by being the person that he's called you to be. God bless you all. If anybody needs prayer, they can come to the front. Otherwise, God go with you, stay with you, be beside you, and bless you. Amen.